Guardian Unlimited. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister, Anne McKechn. Question number one, Mr Speaker. M Mr Speaker, before listing my engagement, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the family and friends of Captain John McDermott of the Royal Highland, Eel Highland Fusiliers, 2nd Battalion, the Royal Regiment of Scotland, who was killed in Afghanistan last Wednesday. And our condolences also to the families and friends of the two service personnel who died yesterday in a helicopter crash in Iraq. We owe them and others who have lost their lives a deep debt of gratitude. I'm also sure that the whole House will wish to send our warmest congratulations to Her Majesty the Queen and Prince Philip on their diamond wedding anniversary yesterday. They have both devoted their lives to public service and we pay tribute to them again today. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with Minister, your colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr. Speaker, can I associate myself with the expressions of sympathy expressed by the Prime Minister? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, many people in my constituency and throughout the country will have been very concerned about the announcement yesterday about the loss of millions of data records from the Child Benefit Office. Can my right honourable friend assure me and this House that he will take every possible step to ensure the protection of data of our citizens, not only in HMRC, but across government? Mr Speaker, I, I profoundly regret uh, and apologise for the inconvenience and worries that have been caused to millions of families who receive child benefit. When mistakes uh, happen, in enforcing procedures, we have a duty to do everything that we can to protect the public. And that's why bank accounts have been checked now for fraudulent activities. That's why the banks have agreed to look back to October the 18th and beyond to check whether there have been any fraudulent activities. And there is no evidence of that happening. And that's why the banking code will ensure that there are no losses suffered by anybody who has child benefit if there is fraud in their accounts. And again, there is no evidence of fraud. That's why also we've set up the review by the Chairman of Pricewaterhouse into the procedures that have been followed. I can also say to the House today that I've asked the Cabinet Secretary and security experts to ensure that all departments and all agencies check their procedures for the storage and use of data. As the House may know, last month I also set up a review to be chaired by Mark Walford of the Wellcome Trust and the Information Commissioner jointly to look at the security of personal data in both public and private sector, and they will look at the work of government agencies and departments, and we will give the Information Commissioner the power to spot-check government departments to do everything in his power and our power to secure the protection of data. In other words, Mr Speaker, we will do everything in our power to make sure that data is safe. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Captain John McDermott, who was killed in Afghanistan last Wednesday, and to the two service personnel who were killed when their RAF Puma helicopter was lost in Iraq last night. They all died serving our country. I also join the Prime Minister in congratulating the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh on their diamond jubilee. They have had a remarkable life together and a life of public service. Millions of people today will be worrying about the safety of their bank accounts and the security of their family details, but they will not just be worried, they will be angry that the government has failed in its first duty to protect the public. Now, 
does the Prime Minister think this should be treated as an isolated incident, or does he believe there is wider systemic failure and a lack of leadership at Revenue and Customs? Mr Chairman, it's precisely because we have to check all procedures, not just in HM's RC, but in all departments, that I've asked the Cabinet Secretary to conduct this review. It is also a review that will be conducted by the Chairman of PricewaterhouseCoopers into the HMRC itself. I have to tell him that there is no evidence of fraudulent activity taking place. I have also, I have also to tell him that this was a failure in implementing the proper procedures. And I think it's important that he should know that the procedures that should have been followed are these. Only authorised staff must be allowed access to protectively marked information. Information must not be removed without appropriate authorisation. And encryption should be used whenever any information is being sent. Now, these were the procedures. They are in existence now, and they should have been operated. It's all very well holding reviews, but the government has had 10 years to sort out this department. I have to say to the Prime Minister, I have to say to the Prime Minister, if a junior official in an organisation can access so much information and send it not once, not twice, but three times, that is evidence of systemic failure. Last year, there were more than 2,000 breaches of security at Revenue and Customs. In May this year, 8,000 families needing tax credits had their bank details revealed. And later in the year, details of 15,000 taxpayers, including private pension information, was lost in the post. Now, the government said at the time, we have reviewed our arrangements and introduced safeguards to prevent this happening in future. Clearly, this was completely wrong. Does the Prime Minister accept systemic failure in this department? What, what, what I accept is that the review must look at all the procedures that are adopted by HMRC, but must also look also at other government departments and agencies. And I have to say to him, in relation to the case he is quoting Standard Life, yes, a review was done, and it did propose that there be changes in both encryption and audit. The problem was that the information that was lost was lost on October the 18th, and the procedures that should have been followed were not followed. Let me just tell them. Manual, ma manual, manual of protection. I think the House should know. The manual of protective security, which all departments are obliged to follow, any data which is sensitive will attract a protective marking, restricted confidential, and should be encrypted when it is in transit. There is absolutely no doubt that this is the procedure. It just wasn't followed, and that's what the investigation's got to look at. But I have to say to the Prime Minister, this has been going on for years. Look what happened. Yes, yes. Mr Speaker, look what happened in September, 2000, September 2005, two years ago. Revenue and Customs lost vital data about savings from one of its clients, UBS. The data was stored on a CD-ROM. It was not encrypted. The data went missing from a Revenue and Customs office. And what happened? Revenue and Customs claimed it was a one-off incident in a single office. Now, that is what I call systemic failure when procedures aren't followed over and over again. Now, this was the Prime Minister's department. He insisted it paid child benefit. He increased its scope. Clearly, there is a problem with its security, with its privacy, with its culture, and with its leadership. Does the Prime Minister feel at all responsible for this? Yeah. But, but the Leader of the Opposition should know that his party supported the changes in HMRC that we made. The, the National Audit Office reported on the changes that we brought about. 
and said the performance of HMRC had not been adversely affected, the adjudicator for HMRC reported and said the changes had not had any negative impact. And I have to say to the right honourable gentleman, if we'd followed his advice at the last general election, he proposed that we cut the expenditure on HMRC. His report, Mr Speaker, said the James Review that he put into his manifesto said they should cut $660 by what they called the rationalisation of data processing. It was he who recommended further cuts. I've got to say, Mr Speaker. Order. Leader of the Opposition. On a day when the government has lost the details of 25 million people, to try and blame the opposition is frankly pathetic. Do you know what people want from their Prime Minister on a day like this? Is for him to stand up, show some broad shoulders, be the big man and take some responsibility. Now, this morning, his Chancellor, to give him his credit, his Chancellor had the guts this morning to admit that his confidence had been shaken. The Prime Minister was in charge of this department for 10 years. By definition, that must have been when the systemic failure was developed. So has his confidence been shaken? Mr Speaker, I I said right at the beginning, I apologise for what has happened. Everybody who is a recipient of child benefit should know that we will take every proper procedure now to improve the working of HMRC and to improve the working of every government department and agency. And I have announced the inquiry not simply into the HMRC, but that the Secretary to the Cabinet will look at every government department and every agency. And I've also announced, which I think is important, that we will look at the collection of private and public data, and that's what the Walport Review will look into. Now, the idea that we are complacent about this is quite ridiculous. We are taking all the action that is necessary. What I would say to him, he raised the question of HMRC and its resources and staff. I'm saying to him that the reports have been done showing that is not the reason why things have gone wrong. There is no excuse for not following proper procedures. If the Prime Minister really wants to learn some lessons from this, will he recognise recognise this appalling blunder comes at a time when the government is planning a national identity register to draw together private and personal details of every single person in this country. Will the events of the last few days cause the Prime Minister to stop and think about this policy? Mr Speaker, I've already announced the inquiries we've set up, but let me just say there are 22 out of 25 European countries that have identity cards. His own security adviser proposes identity cards. His own reviewer of the National Police Force, the Border Force, says he's in favour of identity cards. What we've got to ensure is that identity fraud is avoided, and the way to avoid identity fraud, the way to avoid identity fraud is to say that where people have passport information, where people have passport information, then we will have uh, the biometric support that is necessary so that people can feel confident people can feel confident that their identity is protected. People are desperately worried about the privacy of their bank account details and their personal details. They will find it truly bizarre. They'll find it weird that, frankly, the Prime Minister doesn't want to stop and think about the dangers of a national identity register. Won't people think that he's completely lost touch with reality? He's demonstrating no common sense at all. Won't they see a Prime Minister who tries to control everything but actually can't run anything? 
Mr. Speaker, I'm not going to accept any advice on competent for ten. Order, order, Prime Minister. We talk about running things well. For ten years, the best economic policy in any part of the world. For ten years, the lowest inflation of any decade, the lowest interest rates of any decade, the highest employment of any decade. Something that he could never rival. Patricia Hewitt. Does my, does my right honourable friend agree that all Fabrican must behave
Would my right honourable friend agree with me that with the dramatic decline in the number of unskilled jobs in our country, it is absolutely imperative that we encourage young people up to the age of 18 to stay in education and training? And will he join with me in criticising those who are orchestrating a, a campaign of disinformation suggesting we want to keep kids in schools until 18? Yeah. Yeah. The proposal to raise the education leaving age to, to 18 over the next uh, few years includes, for example, a young person at 16 or 17 getting a job and doing one day a week training. And I would have thought that just as there was all party support for the 1944 Education Act, the last time the education leaving age uh, was raised by legislation, there should be all party support for what we're doing. And I regret very much that the education spokesman of the Conservative Party has called raising the education leaving age to 18 a stunt. It is absolutely vital for the future of our country. Has any member of his cabinet offered to resign in the last two weeks? No, and nor should they. <laughs> Can I, uh, can I welcome the Prime Minister for his speech on Monday on the challenge of climate change, and in particular the decision to locate the Environmental Technologies Institute with a consortium of universities in the Midlands? Yeah, Does he yeah. agree with me, though, that if we're really going to seize the opportunity to become world leaders in the development of environmental technologies, the initiatives we take need to go far beyond the universities to provide jobs, to provide skills, to provide regeneration in areas that have been suffering big changes over the last decade or more, such as my part of Birmingham. Just as information technology created millions of jobs in the 1990s, so environmental technologies can create millions of jobs uh, across Europe and the world over the next few years. And that's why the Joint uh, Public-Private Environmental Technologies Unit, now funded to the tune of £800 million, half of that from the private sector, is absolutely vital in giving us a world lead in the new products and processes. And I'm very pleased that his constituency and many universities around the country are going to benefit from participation in this. It is an example of public money being used for public purpose, working with the private sector to create new industries and new jobs. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Why are there so many potential terrorists in Britain today? Mr. Speaker, we know... We know from the statement that was made by the head of uh, MI5 that we're dealing with uh, a small but uh, important uh, group of uh, young uh, terrorists who are operating in cells. And we know that there are distinct links uh, in our country uh, with the Asian subcontinent. And this is one of the reasons why the numbers in Britain are so high. But we also know that the measures that we announced last week, not only to win the battle of hearts and minds, but also to isolate extremists, are the right way forward. And I think he should agree with that, me that we are making substantial advances in persuading young people that this is not the right way forward and in isolating these terrorist extremes in our country. And we will continue to fight the battle against terrorism. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. As part of the Parliamentary Education Unit's excellent programme here, students from Newcastle and the Lyme Further Education College visited me in Westminster yesterday. And in Newcastle, we're shortly going to get a, a brand new £25 million FE College, which is our latest big investment in education in the area. That said, however, despite regeneration, too many of our youngsters have mainly low-paid and low-skilled jobs in newer industries such as distribution to look forward to. So could I ask the Prime Minister what further measures the government's going to make, take to make sure 
our children equipped with the education skills they need to meet their rising aspirations and the rising aspirations of traditional industrial areas such as North Staffordshire? Mr Speaker, when we came into power in 1997, the apprenticeship was dying out. Now the apprentices' numbers are 250,000. We want to double that number to 500,000, and I hope there's going to be all-party support for improving the system of apprenticeship in this country. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, is it time for Blackadder to say goodbye to Darling? Uh, I've already answered that uh, question. The Chancellor has done an excellent job, both, both, both as a former Minister at the Treasury and now as the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In discussions with students in, the, in Ramada in the West Bank a couple of weeks ago, I felt depressed by the fact that those students had done what they were asked to do. They had gone into education, they got themselves a college education, were in their final year at university, but they said they had no hope because there were no jobs. Will he, dis despite whatever happens in Annapolis, will he make sure that economic regeneration and hope for young Palestinians is top of this government's agenda in the Middle East? The Annapolis talks, which start in the next few days, are talks that I believe all sections of this House will want to support. And I think it's very important to say that the Annapolis talks are part of a framework over these next few months, where we then have a donors' conference in December, and we build on that, hopefully, with our proposals for greater economic security and support for the Palestinian people. Last week, I announced a $500 million advance from Britain, if we can solve the security problems, to provide jobs for the Palestinian people. I've now talked to other world leaders, and they will be prepared to support this fund if we can make progress on security. So what he says rightly so, that the levels of poverty and unemployment are intolerable in Gaza and the West Bank, and we are ready to do what we can to help the people in these areas. Speaker, the Prime Minister rightly paid tribute to the servicemen killed in Afghanistan and Iraq. The two men killed in Iraq were possibly in a Puma helicopter that was older than some of the personnel it was carrying. When will the helicopters, the Chinooks, ordered by the previous Conservative government for use by our special forces, be delivered for use by our special forces? I, 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 don't, I don't think, uh, despite the, the tragedy yesterday, anybody should uh, jump to any conclusions about what has actually happened, and that a full investigation will and should take place. What I do want to do is to pay tribute to the courage and the dedication and the service of the men who have died. As far as, far as, as, far as equipment is concerned, we have ordered uh, more, more helicopters. More helicopters are there on the ground, and we have the biggest, the biggest defence uh, programme of capital investment over the next 10 years uh, of any government at any time. Robert Flewell. Thank you, Mr Speaker. My right honourable friend will be aware that um, primary schools in Stoke-on-Trent have already benefited from around £50 million for rebuilding and refurbishing. We now have an opportunity with £200 million for our high schools and special schools. Given that this is a once in probably 100 years opportunity, and it's absolutely vital we get this correct, will my right honourable friend agree to meet with heads and governors to discuss their proposals for how this money should be spent uh, across the whole city, uh, and in particular in my constituency, St Joseph's, Trentham High, Longton, Enza, Blurton, St Thomas More. Uh, I could go on. Will he agree perhaps to meet me in the constituency? My, my, my honourable friend knows his constituency very well. Uh, 19 schools are being uh, rebuilt in his uh, area, Stoke and Trent, and 111 additional and refurbished classrooms are happening. And he is absolutely right that we have committed in building schools for the future to the refurbishment of thousands of schools, primary and secondary, around the country. It would be unfortunate if the Conservative plans announced yesterday 
were to disrupt a programme where people are actually expecting new schools and new classrooms in the next few years. I don't know why the Prime Minister was smiling a moment ago uh, about HMRC. There are 25 million people who don't think it's funny at all. Can the Prime Minister explain why the accounts of HMRC have been qualified for the last four years? That, that, that has happened on many occasions. You, you know, in, 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 well, I, 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 just, I just have to read to them the reports. The National Audit Office said HM's performance had not been adversely affected and has improved substantially in some areas. The, the adjudicator for HMRC said that the changes that we brought about in the HMRC had had no negative impact on HMRC customers. HMRC is working as a new unit. Ben um, whilst I accept, Mr. Speaker, that we have to have a post office network of an appropriate size, the closure of some post offices in individual localities is a cause of some concern. Those, for example, in my constituency, currently under threat, so to speak, are good businesses. Uh, they serve a high proportion of elderly and disabled. They haven't an easily accessible alternative, and they act as a funnel for other businesses. Could my right hon. Friend assure me that the consultation being carried out by the Post Office is just that and not a cover for a foregone conclusion? This is not only a consultation, but I invite him to meet the Minister for the Post Office, who is responsible for Post Office matters at the Department of Business, to talk about these issues. The fact is that we are putting £1.7 billion into helping the Post Office network. It is true that there are many Post Offices that are not widely used at all in some cases in single-figure use during the course of one day, uh, but the fact is there will be a proper consultation on this and he will have the chance to have the voice of his local residents heard. Andrew Robertson. Yeah. Yeah. Mr Speaker, on the question of trust in this Government, all on members opposite should remember the words, we will put the constitutional treaty to the British people in a referendum. If the Labour Party manifesto was deliberately misleading the British people. What faith can anybody have in anything this government says? And what would the Prime Minister normally call somebody who does not tell the truth? The first uh, announcement in Brussels last uh, spring was that the constitutional project had been abandoned. There is no constitutional treaty. It is an amending treaty. And we won all our red lines and secured all the agreements we want. And that's why the question is now for the Conservative Party Will they support a referendum even after ratification? Ronnie Campbell. Can you tell me why the Barnard formula can't be applied to the English regions? Mr Speaker, the Barnard formula is for the whole of the United Kingdom. I have to tell him the Barnard formula is not for one part of the United Kingdom. It covers all areas of the United Kingdom. And the Barnard formula is based on the needs of each different part. Edward Lee. Is, is the Prime Minister aware that when the Department of Work and Pensions ran child benefit, they did a full audit on 20,000 names? When it was passed to Inland Revenue, that was cut to 2,000 names, which is why the National Audit Office had to check their figures. Is he further aware that when these protocols in March were agreed at a, at a high level between the NAO and the Inland Revenue, when the NAO asked for narrow details, not people's personal bank accounts, the Inland Revenue told them that to disaggregate this information would be too burdensome for the organisation. These decisions were therefore taken at a high level. Is this not an image of a department which has had too much work loaded on it at the same time as it is cutting staff? 
he, he raises a point which will be the subject of the investigation. I have to tell him that there is a dispute about what the NEO and the HMRC said to each other about this particular data. But surely the important part of the inquiry is it will reveal the truth of what happened. Anne Moffat. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. May I congratulate the Government on acknowledging veterans and most recently the Bevan Boys for their contribution yeah, during yeah, the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But would my right honourable friend now give positive consideration to recognising the Land Army girls who worked tirelessly yeah, under extreme yeah, conditions yeah. for the nation during the same conflict? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she makes a, a very important point, and the, the Government is sympathetic to the case for recognising the work of the Women's Land Army. We are looking carefully at how this uh, should, should be done, and we'll report back to the House in due course. David Heathcote, Emery. Yeah. 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 Mr Speaker, is yeah. the uh, Prime Minister aware of the damage being caused to the landscape of Britain by wind turbines, which are often, <laughs> which are often opposed? Wind turbines which are usually opposed by local people, but then imposed by planning inspectors implementing government targets for renewable energy. If the Prime Minister is serious about climate change, will he urgently restart Britain's nuclear programme and stop industrialising the uplands of Britain? wind farms which are ugly and inefficient and unreliable. Mr. Mr Speaker, no wonder the Leader of the Opposition is blushing and gone red. He is, his party is all talk and no action. Guardian Unlimited.